Hi there, my name is Nicole Hark, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to a unique podcast for Viterra. Unique in that it's Viterra's first foray into what's now a very popular form of communication, that of podcasting. It's a great opportunity for the company to share with South Australian growers and of course others involved or interested in the local grain industry, Viterra's perspective on some of those current industry issues. In this instance, we're going to be exploring port terminal access and in particular, Viterra's current port exemption application and the question more particularly of how it affects South Australian growers. So to help us unpick what it all means, we'll chat to Viterra's Regional Director, Australia and New Zealand, Tim Krause, and then all the way from the US, globally recognised economist, Dr. Chris Pletsikas. Now, Chris has recently completed an independent expert review of what granting Viterra an exemption for its ports would mean for South Australia. It's now my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Viterra's Regional Director, Australia and New Zealand, Tim Krause. Tim, welcome. Hi, Nicole, and hello to everyone that's listening today. Port terminal access, I mean, obviously just such an important issue, so much so that you've indeed chosen it for your first ever podcast. Yes, quite right. We've never done a podcast before, but we thought it'd be a really good way to share information, both with growers, uh, but also with our employees and other interested people in the industry. So if we go to the issue at hand today, I'm interested in you providing some background, some background to the port terminal access issue, and more particularly, the introduction of the Code of Conduct. Okay, well, I apologise, but we're going to have to go back to ancient history. (laughs) Uh, We go back to 2008, and that was when uh, the single desk for wheat was changed. Up until that stage, the AWB was the only exporter of wheat out of Australia. Mm -hmm. In 2008, the wheat market was deregulated, which meant that lots of other operators came into the marketplace. But with that deregulation, there were a set of rules and regulations that applied for a period of time. So that was about what the exporters needed to do to ensure that uh, they were the right type of company to export Australian wheat. Sure. And also for the port terminal operators, uh, there were various requirements on them to make sure that they provided open access to all the exporters Mm -hmm. that wanted to ship grain. Understood, yep. Then we get to 2014. And in 2014, the regulations were removed and they were replaced with a code, a code of conduct. And if you like, this is the second major transition towards a fully deregulated market. Mm -hmm. And that was the purpose, even from 2008, 2014, to get to a stage where the wheat export market in Australia was deregulated. The code is managed by the ACCC and it applies to every port terminal operator in Australia that is capable of exporting wheat. This includes CBH, GrainCorp, Viterra, NAT, Bungi, Quattro uh, and numerous others. So, sure. you know, th- there's a lot of players out there. But the code applies in South Australia in a way that's quite different compared to the rest of Australia and also the rest of the world. Um, it only applies to wheat. Uh, The mandatory Mm -hmm. code only applies to wheat. So all the other commodities have been exported without the regulation for many years. Okay, so that's the background. Where do things sit with the code at the moment? Well, the code's been under review for the last couple of years. And 
That is part of the transition process. At the moment, we're waiting for the government to respond to that review. But it's been interesting that the government have come out with a stated policy around deregulating the export market and making it easier to export Australian agriculture. Our position is now is the time for full deregulation. We, we simply don't see the need for the code anymore. The industry in South Australia, Australia, and globally has changed enormously in the last four or five years. We've seen a lot of new entry uh, into the port terminal space, both in South Australia and around Australia. And for our industry, we need to be as competitive and efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. We're competing with the rest of the world. So if you can talk us through, how does the review of the code and Viterra seeking exemption for its port terminals actually fit together? Okay, the, the code has two levels of regulation. Uh, ports are either classified as exempt or non-exempt. Mm -hmm. The exempt ports operate at a much lower level of regulation. The non-exempt ports are at a higher level of regulation. So what we're doing is applying for exemption to operate under the lower level of regulation. And we think it's appropriate that everyone's operating at the same level. So let's have a look at what an exemption particularly would allow you to do in terms of operating at a lower level of regulation. What are the flow-on benefits of that? Well, the flow-on benefits are that we can provide uh, our customers, whether it be growers or exporters, with a much more flexible level of service. You know, it, it costs money to have regulation, but more importantly, there are certain rules and regulations that we have to operate our ports to. Customers are coming to us and saying that they want maximum flexibility and operational efficiency when they're using our services. We need to do everything we can to make it easy for them to come to South Australia and do business. If we don't, they will go somewhere else, and that might be elsewhere in Australia or it might be to other parts of the world. Let's have a look then at what's happening elsewhere in Australia and how we compare. Well, if we look at what's happening in the rest of Australia, if we look at Western Australia, all the ports over there are exempt. If we look at uh, Victoria, four out of the five ports there are exempt. All the ports in New South Wales are exempt. In South Australia, it's only the six Viterra ports that are operating at the high level of regulation. Why do you think that is? Why has Viterra's South Australian grain ports been singled out? When the regulation was introduced, Viterra was the only operator of grain ports in South Australia. Now there are five with a sixth commencing construction. That means there'll be 12 grain ports operating in South Australia. An important question, and why should South Australian growers care about Viterra's exemption application? What does it mean for them? The high level of regulation applies almost exclusively to South Australia. This means the burden and the cost of the code is predominantly being borne by the South Australian grain industry. You know, there are hidden costs and unintended consequences impacting growers, which Chris will talk about a little later. You just referred to hidden cost. What's your view on the cost of the code to South Australian growers? Well, I think it's probably in two levels and it's really hard to put a precise figure on it. Mm -hmm. we, we see what it costs our business to comply with the code, and, and that is uh, the compliance costs, the system costs, the reporting costs, the labour that's involved. But there's another cost as well, and that's the hidden cost of every time we make it difficult 
people to operate in South Australia, you know, there's a chance that they'll go elsewhere. And we have exporters come to us and say, you are the most difficult place to operate mm-hmm. in Australia. If those exporters choose to go elsewhere in Australia to get their grain or go somewhere else in the world, ultimately that's going to have an impact on the competition that's flowing back to South Australian growers. And ultimately an impact on prices, I would have thought. Correct. So you're currently in the process of applying for an exemption. What does that involve? Well, in the middle of 2019, we made our initial application to the ACCC. Since then, we've been talking with lots of people in government and industry mm-hmm. about the application, you know, talking about what it is, what it means, why we think it's important, and also answering any questions that people have. You know, we think it's one of the most important issues for the industry at the present time. One of the people, of course, that you have spoken to is Dr. Chris Plitsikas, and we'll be talking to him shortly to get his perspective on this issue. But I'm interested in what led you specifically to engage him. What we wanted to do was try and get an independent view of what the impact of the regulation is on South Australia and the South Australian industry. So uh, we engaged Chris and CRA and his colleague Andy to look at this and to look at what it was costing, what the benefits might be for South Australian growers uh, if the regulation was removed, and also how it compared with what's happening around the rest of the world and around the rest of Australia. Chris and CRA have enormous experience in the regulatory field, uh, both within Australia in ports and in the grain industry, but also in other parts of the world as well. And Chris will talk about it, I'm sure, but you know he's worked with the regulators in Australia, including the ACCC, mm-hmm. uh, on various matters. Well, thank you. It's given us certainly a very good understanding of the background to some of these issues, and I look forward to exploring them further in a moment or so with Dr Blitzegas. Okay, thanks, Nicole. It's now my pleasure to welcome Dr. Chris Plitsikas from Charles River Associates, where he's vice president in the firm's antitrust and competition economics practice. Chris specialises in competition analysis and antitrust issues, including mergers and acquisitions, economic impact assessment analysis, intellectual property, class action certification and damages, and regulatory consulting. Dr. Plisikas has testified in courts and before administrative agencies in the United States, in Australia, New Zealand, and the Republic of Singapore on a range of issues. He's been a lecturer in the economics department at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and has taught at the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Maryland. He's published numerous papers and is currently an editor for the Competition and Consumer Journal. Welcome, Chris. I've got to say, it's an impressive CV. And to add to that, I understand you've previously done work with both the ACCC and the grain industry in Australia. Yes, well, well, thank you for having me. I have done um, uh, work uh, on numerous occasions with the ACCC, and, and I've done um, a lot of work in the grain industry, uh, including work at the ACCC, and um, numerous uh, engagements in the ports industry as well. Well, you certainly come to us well credentialed, there's no doubt about that. In terms of the issue at hand, how did you approach your analysis and review? We tried to to look at it both from a high level and at ground level, if you will. We wanted to to look at the the big picture of the grain industry and how the grain industry was operating in South Australia in particular and how the grain industry in South Australia related to the world 
trade in in grains. The grain industry in South Australia operates in in a global market. It's highly competitive. South Australian growers are price takers in the market. They don't have any market power. Neither do the exporters that um, that buy the grain from from the growers. So that anything that makes the industry more competitive, more efficient, will make everyone in the industry, including the growers, better off. You pointed to some of the specifics of the South Australian grain industry, but if we look at the local grain market and I suppose how it's changed over time, what have you noticed there? The the market's grown more competitive over time. Uh, There used to be a single desk. Now there are lots of marketers who buy the grain and sell the grain both in Australia and across the world. One of the the major changes in South Australia is the shift in the ports markets, Mm -hmm. whereas once the ports that were used to export grain were all all owned by Viterra, now there are five or six, depending upon how you count them and when they will go into operation, competitive ports in addition to Viterra's ports that are available to exporters to shift the grain to into the world grain market. And this is one of the key changes in the, the industry. One of the other changes in the industry, and one which really has been related to the introduction of all these competitive ports, is the fact that the concept of, of port zones isn't really one that makes a lot of sense uh, as far as how the industry operates. There are lots of competitive ports, so uh, growers and marketers have lots of places to shift their grain around, and there also uh, is a much uh, larger domestic market, and mm-hmm. one which, uh, due to some recent conditions in the industry, has purchased a lot more grain from South Australia. So. Everybody in the industry has many more options available to them to shift grain in all sorts of different directions geographically and in terms of who buys it and who uses it. If you overlay that then with port terminal access and particularly the code of conduct introduced in 2014, Tim mentioned when we were chatting to him earlier that there were some unintended consequences of that code that are now impacting growers. What do you see those as? Well, in addition to the direct costs that uh, regulation imposes, um, there are lots of indirect costs that are still significant. Um, These include losses of economies of scale and scope, and uh, you can see the the results of those losses of economies of scale and scope in terms of the fragmentation of the grain market in South Australia. There are lots of ports in South Australia in a state where the grain production is less than Western Australia, for instance, which has only five ports. So you see fragmentation on the port side. You also see fragmentation on the uh, exporter side where the concentration in terms of the share of the, of the marketplace accounted for the largest exporters is is uh, lower in South Australia than it is in the other states. Mm-hmm. And the code tends to, uh, by its very nature, protect less efficient exporters and less innovative exporters. And ultimately, this costs the industry 
money in you know in, at all levels. Growers get less. The exporters don't do quite as well, and the mm-hmm. ports don't do as well. So then, if we look at the other side of the coin, what are some of the positives that would flow from regulation being reduced? Well, it's a mirror image of what I've just talked about in sure. some ways. Um, yeah, unnecessary regulation adds costs, reinforces inefficiencies in the system. And, uh, you know, one of the ways to look at this is to analyze what happens in the rest of the world. And the the ports in Australia that are regulated under the code are more highly regulated than ports anywhere else in the world. In fact, most, the vast majority of parts uh, wheat export ports in the rest of the world aren't regulated at all. Mm-hmm. So it makes it more difficult for uh, people at all levels of the industry in South Australia to compete in the world markets. Right. The, the fact of the matter is the code was initially introduced as a transitional measure to bring the industry or help the industry transition from a very concentrated export oriented uh, marketplace to one where there was competition at all levels. And in my opinion, that outcome has been achieved. There's no market failure that justifies use of the code. In fact, in industries like the grain export industry and the grain industry more generally, where conditions change both on a regular basis uh, sometimes rapidly, often significantly. Regulation just doesn't work well in those sorts of circumstances. It isn't highly adaptable. Uh, you can think of it in sort of physics terms. It introduces frictions uh, into the system that tend to undermine the achievement of all sorts of efficiencies. You know, here in South Australia, there are lots of export terminals now, as I said, you know, 11 or 12 mm-hmm. that are operating now or will be operating soon. So that means it makes no sense for Viterra to stop anybody else from using its ports. In fact, they would just go elsewhere. The, the fact of the matter is that Viterra uh, and its ports operations have always been open access. They've always tried to attract volume through their ports that's how they make money. If they don't attract volume through their ports, they don't make money. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, the code at this point, at best, and I say at best because I'm not even sure it does this, uh, at best, it, it's regulation in place to try to try to regulate a, a very low probability event. Uh, I, I don't see that set of circumstances as likely at all. In fact, over time, competing exporters are likely to have more options mm-hmm. to get their grain away uh, other than Viterra, not not fewer. So the evidence doesn't really suggest that the code is needed uh, so that the competing exporters are protected from something that is extremely unlikely to happen and may never happen. So, so importantly, I think, for our listening audience today, how would you see growers benefiting from Viterra being granted exemption for its ports? For one thing, it will ensure a level playing field across all of the ports in South Australia. This is consistent with what happens in the rest of the world. It's consistent with what happens in most of the rest of Australia. It would reduce 
supply chain costs, increase efficiency across the supply chain. Uh, it would help encourage long-term investment. It would uh, promote greater economies of scale, improved efficiencies, greater flexibility in the operation of Vitera's ports. The, the purchase of grain is going to remain competitive. Eliminating regulation on Vitera's ports is going to increase the efficiency of the system. It will promote the most efficient participants in the industry uh, and increase profits throughout the industry, and that will ultimately redound to the benefit of the growers who will end up getting higher prices for their grain. Chris, it's been very insightful. We thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. If you're looking for more information, you can find it on the Viterra website, viterra.com.au, where you'll find Viterra's submission to the ACCC and the Charles River Associates report. I hope you found today's conversation very informative. I'm Nicole Hark. Till next time.